Hi everyone, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. I'm David Campbell. And I'm Joseph Whitney. This is Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction processes, technology, BIM, and beer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Brewing with BIM. I'm Joe Whitney, and as always with me is my man, Dave Campbell. What's going on, Dave? Hey, not much, Joe. Another beautiful day in the day of uh, in the world of BIM. Awesome. Yeah. Well, speaking of BIM and all gloriful, glory, glorifying things that are VDC and all that stuff, we've got Ron Nada here with us today to chat about VDC and scanning and all the great things you and I love to chat about. But before we do, Dave, I got to ask you, what are you drinking? Man, so um, today I actually was at Costco before jumping on the episode and saw they had a case of uh, Three Floyds Gumball Head. And I do love Three Floyds and a great, great brewery out of Muncie. They make really good beer. And I'm going to actually follow that up with uh, a small batch craft tequila that I found, uh, Terramana. It's actually Dwayne Johnson's uh, tequila. So it's a Reposado tequila. Oh, nice, nice. Good old rock, man. I was uh, watching the whole Fast and the Furious franchise over the weekend. It was my birthday last week. I say weekend last week. And um, I just, uh, you know, I don't know why turning 37 made me want to watch Fast and the Furious from like 20 years ago. So I ended up buying all of them on on Amazon and just streaming them throughout the week. And when I got to the rock, I was like, oh, I forgot he's in it, man. He, he Everything he touches is gold. <laughs> All right, yeah. I'm I'm drinking a double IPA from uh, uh, Stone. Um, it's their Tangerine and Pineapple IPA. It's fantastic. Ooh. It's the uh, July 4th edition. And uh, if you're gonna spend 20 bucks on a six pack of beer, this is the way to go. This stuff is delicious. Um, that said, man, we've got to jump in and introduce Ron. Ron, uh, thanks for standing by here. Um, I know you don't have a beverage quite in hand because you are about an hour behind us, but it is Friday. Uh, going into a weekend, uh, hopefully you're pumped, excited, and uh, I know you've been at a conference or something all week, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. No, looking forward to our conversation. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, in Colorado, so I haven't quite started yet, but, uh, you know, the, the beverage of choice has been the, the 1554. It's a it's a dark ale. Um, it, they're, they're brewed right here in uh, my backyard, oh, Fort Collins, Colorado. So. Yeah. I, uh, I've always enjoyed that one. Uh, it's getting a little bit late or in the summer to be drinking as dark, but uh, I usually go to the light stuff in the summertime. Yeah. Uh, they got a couple <laughs> yeah, others that they're coming heavy. out with. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a big uh, New Belgium fan. I think uh, 1554 is a, a great beer. I always uh, get the mix packs and all that sort of stuff. It's it's uh, You guys have some good beer up there. Yes, yeah, capital of the world for uh, craft brewery, so I'm living in the right spot. Dave and I could have gave you a run for money uh, up until about – Dave just moved from Portland to um, uh, Annapolis, and before that I was in Portland with him. And, I mean, I love Denver. Don't get me wrong. We're in Denver uh, at least once, twice a year doing all the Autodesk conferences and all that stuff that we got to do at their office there. Um but um, I just miss that craft scene, whether it's Portland or Denver, whatever. I'm I'm now in Pittsburgh, and uh, it's not quite the same. It's getting there, but it's not quite the same. I feel like uh, 
you know, just a hundred miles west of us, <laughs> you know, seems that you guys seem to have things uh, a little more on lock. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, Portland is is uh, is hot on our tails, so I'm looking forward to what they they can produce here in the next couple of years. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and Denver, man, they got some. I mean, honestly, downtown Denver, when you know we went to those conferences, you'd walk around, and there are quite a few awesome breweries right to to check out. Uh, and I, I always love the mile high, mile high brews. Absolutely. Yeah. And the atmosphere is, uh, I would say at least 50% of that. Uh, so being downtown Denver, um, I'm sure that that, uh, that speaks volumes to a lot of people. Yes, sir. So are you, uh, originally from Denver? You move? I'm just, uh, curious give me, give us, uh, our listeners, your story, your, uh, your transition into where you are now and a little background on yourself. Yeah. So I'm a little bit of a gypsy, I guess. Um, <laughs> I probably have moved around uh, too much, but uh, there's a, a sense of enjoyment behind all that. Um, but uh, a little bit about me and, and kind of where I started um, was, I would say early uh, in my, my childhood, I, I saw and recognized the the passion for the construction industry. My father, grandfather were both electricians by trade, spent uh, more than 40 years in the, the union electrician uh, field. Uh, actually, my dad's just getting ready to uh, to hang his hat up for for his retirement. So uh, kudos to him. I um, I'm very, uh, very uh, proud of what he's been able to accomplish in his career. But that really pushed me and incentivized me into the construction field, if you will. Um, but um, early uh, early in high school really identified the the technology and, and where it's going with the with the industry and got a real passion for that and, and what that means for the industry. Um, sitting around the table with my father and grandfather, right? You get to hear the stories behind all the challenges that they face in the, the, the field. So as technology started to uh, to um, really force its way into the construction industry, that really turned the passion on, right? So how do I solve the problems uh, with technology and what, what's available today versus, you know, um, versus the traditional methods that we've used for many, many years? Um, so right out of high school, a little bit of uh, college education there, um, knew and understood that I wanted to get into to design and construction and um, started at, at uh, Los Alamos National Laboratory uh, back in the early 2000s um, and um, spent, I don't know, probably a dozen or half a dozen years there, uh, but then got involved with the, the semiconductor industry. Um, a lot of that time was in and around the BIM VDC world um, and, and really adopting that technology as it really started to make a big push uh, in like the 2006 mark. Uh, people were starting to identify, hey, there's value here, um, but uh, spent uh, probably about 10, 10 to 12 years in the semiconductor industry and wanted to diversify my resume. So got out of there and uh, have uh, been enjoying uh, a more detailed approach to the VDC services and all the different VDC services that uh, that are out there today. So um, have uh, built and grown a couple of uh, VDC groups within within companies uh, that kind of brings me into to zealous and and where we're at today. Um, and uh, zealous is a 3D um, 
3D laser uh, capturing um, company that, that specializes in all the different technologies that the, the industry has to offer. Um, however, they they really built the business off of 3D laser scanning uh, and and that has grown substantially and we're, we're probably the largest in the country from a 3D uh, laser scanning. Uh, however, we identified a few years ago that BIM VDC would really complement this side of the business. And so uh, that's been my focus over the last uh, about two years now within Zealous uh, to, to really grow and, and build that, uh, that group out. And uh, I feel that we've done uh, pretty well. We're, we're extremely successful today uh, in both departments. Um, so uh, that's kind of a little bit about me. All right, thank you very much, man. I mean. Honestly, I oh sorry, Joe, I keep interrupting you. Go I was just gonna say to know what you want to do right out of high school and to kind of have that path for you is is amazing. Like I took wood shop and welding and and CAD, you know, in in high school and I had all this stuff and I just thought it was a cool way to blow off and not really learn anything. Obviously, you're learning stuff. I just didn't think of it in that way. Uh, but like you had it and, and then you were able to go home and listen to these stories about how these this technology and, and the things that you're learning in school are actually being implemented from your father and your grandfather. I mean, that's awesome. Like that, that's got to like drive a, a passion deep within you. I, I don't think Dave and I got a passion on us uh, for BIM technology till probably much later in life. Um, so I, mean, I just want to commend you for that. And I, I think that we need to do a better job at getting uh, youth, youth involved and, and uh, passionate about construction and construction technology. Oh, I agree, man. I, I, I completely agree. Honestly, Joey, I, I think we've talked about this before, but I wanted to do an episode. Every on episode. How, yeah, do an, we could do an entire episode on talking about, you know, BIM for education, like how it's going to improve our industry. Just I think about, you know, when I was in high school, I did get attracted to like I, I was I loved construction. Even in, in high school, I took like building trades. We had these smaller design programs but they were really for like cabinetry and interior design kind of focused and it wasn't it wasn't really you know what it is now but it, it kind of started that passion for me and in all like in all viewpoints of it i guess you think about the construction technology that we have today and if we can start you know showing that off sooner you know we have a a, a saying in the construction industry that we have we have a labor shortage right we do and in the sense of trying to fill that gap, I think technology has taken has taken a long stride into you know trying to fill that. And then the big thing to think about is okay, since we're losing in one area, how can we pick that up? In my mind, that's that's using that technology to lure those and and educate. I don't want to say just lure. That that sounds kind of weird, but educate and to bring the younger generations into construction because. Once they see how these models come I, together, I mean, geez. I think uh, when you use the term lure, the first thing that pops in my head is, hey, kid, get in the van. We're going to a construction site. Here's some candy. <laughs> We're going to go to a construction job. Let's go. <laughs> oh, man. But, I mean, in all reality, when I first started in the industry, and I, it's funny, but I, I see that it's, it's been a common problem has been, you know, getting the as-built or existing conditions in a way that are usable, right? And I mean, a lot of jobs that I would start out on, you'd, you'd be lucky if you got an actual uh, a sheet set. Uh, most of the time, you'd try to roll them out and they'd fall apart or they've been, you know, they've been pieced together and you're missing pieces. Sometimes you actually get a CAD model, but then you realize that 
some of the dimensions are off, things have been added. It's always very difficult to know exactly what's going on in a building. And I think, you know, scanning in that sense and, and a lot of the BIM kind of, well, BIM services that we see today are really focused on making, well, getting that data, but also making sure that it's accurate, right? Because I mean, that's, that's a huge thing in this industry, especially when you're going to TI a job, knowing what's there. I mean, uh, that's that's half the battle right there, right? Well, this 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 fits right into what Ron's services are. Ron, you're you're writing this ads built in VDC space and under existing conditions for TI. We were talking about this before before the episode. Um, you know, half the battle, like Dave's saying, is knowing what's there, but getting it right. Like somebody models it, and maybe they pulled tape or or whatever. But how often is that wrong? I can tell you on most jobs that I've been on, something is not where it's supposed to be. Uh, something, um, you know, uh, whether we're talking about layout sleeves are never, never in the wall, unless you're, you're doing a total station. Um, if you are going off of an existing job, the duct wasn't modeled, you know, properly, the pipe wasn't modeled properly. The columns aren't where they're supposed to be. That scan is, I don't know, man, it, it tells a real story. And, 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 and you know, that picture is worth a, is a thousand words. I think a scan is worth, you know, a thousand pictures. A scan is the truth. It is. It is your as long as it's done properly, right? It is the truth. That as built has to happen. Are you guys um, coming in and correcting a lot of problems, and or are you usually on the forefront of things, Ron? Uh, it's a little bit of both, right? Um, the the industry in itself has, I, I think, struggled here in the U.S. because uh, if you can envision. You have those hard copy drawings that you were talking about earlier, right? They don't always get back, passed down from building owner to building owner. Um, we've we've had so many historical buildings that we've we've uh, been involved on, which is very unique and, and really inspiring, right? I mean, you get involved with some of these historical landmarks that you just don't have that data. So we're able to come in and really help facilitate uh, capturing that data, but then also taking it uh, much further in the process now because the technology exists and that's why zealous has capitalized so well in the u.s market is because we're two different divisions within zealous right the the 3d laser uh, uh, capturing as well as the existing conditions but then really on the back end of that you start thinking about tenant improvement space i gotta know what the inside of that building looks like before i can take a new design and try and make sure that it fits within that envelope um, so we're definitely getting involved with a lot of that in the, the recent uh, months, but uh, you're starting to see more and more individuals recognizing the technology. So it op- uh, it offers us the, the, the ability to come in and offer a, a really a, an entire package versus we do parts and pieces of it. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to capture that data, but then we're also allowing it to be advanced into the BIM VDC world. And then you start getting into the prefabrication and all that other stuff. I mean, I can guarantee you don't want to go out and prefab off of something that uh, that hasn't been validated and that's not completely accurate. I don't want to be basing my material costs if somebody went out there with a laser uh, laser tape and said, yeah, it's about 15 feet, three inches. You, you know, you prefab something, you're you're talking about thousands of dollars in material. Yeah, and there's no tolerance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't stretch a pipe an inch. Uh, so, uh, and yeah, yeah that's I, problems I'm, too. But I, I was just gonna say, yeah, I mean, it, I think 
it's that level of detail that comes with it, right? I mean, that's the hard, that's another hard thing to, to, to get into, even when you're getting a CAD file. Most of the time, unfortunately, I'll see in, in drawings that I'll get, they say, you know, dimensions vary. So it'll actually, it's not represented on what is, is built in the field. They just had to get something there to, to re, you know, essentially dimension it, to annotate it. But it's not, it could be off from what's in the field. And getting that level of detail, especially for historic buildings, is, is key. I mean, it really is when you're going through trying to figure out exactly what's there, what space you have if you're trying to run complex like piping or ducting systems through an existing you know, structural system. You need to know what's, what's exactly there and how you can run that through, where your hangers need to be or where your clips are. I mean, it, like you said, it's only going to help with estimating your materials, prefabricating and planning for that job. Yeah, you you and I, we've chatted about this quite a bit, but my favorite thing is getting a Revit file where the model has its dimensions, but it has fudge dimensions on the sheets. And it's like, well, I mean, come on, like uh-huh. if I go to lay out or go to measure from something in the model, it's not going to show me what's on the sheet. So I have to go by with the sheet set. Like, it's just, I don't know, man, there, there's a level of uh, detail that needs to be applied and that a scan just kind of mitigates all around. And, yep. and, but you know, the, the other portion of this that I really want to go into as well is, um, of course, you, you'll get it with experience, right? But it's coordination. And that is a huge piece for the accuracy of these models in terms of maintaining a correct coordinate system or, you know, control points, what have you, to bring these different models like your point cloud and your Revit or BIM model together and to be able to run the floor flatness, be able to run, you know, verification, whatever services that you're going to utilize with that scan downstream, you have to make sure that it lines up. That's the last thing. I mean, I don't even know how many times I've seen it where I get a scan and I'll get a Revit model and the scans floating off in space off to the right and the Revit models on origin. And even if I insert origin to origin, it won't, it just won't come in. And I I'm physically trying to move it at that point, which, you know, <laughs> it kind of makes the entire point moot at that. Like I'm, I, I can't verify. I mean, I guess I can get you close, but if we're trying to get good, accurate results and good, accurate data, it all has to start with that. I mean, it's it's the entire workflow, right? The setup of the scanner, knowing where you're putting it, knowing where the scan is going to be in space, but also knowing where that BIM model's got to be, knowing you know, knowing that these coordinate systems will align. And I, of course, as I said, I know that's through experience, but I wanna, I do want to make make sure that is a point that we bring up because, I mean, that can make or break you right there. That I mean, it's it's a hard process once you try to change that coordinate system. It's locked. Right. I mean, at that point, you're trying to go back through. Yeah, you could try and reprocess and guess your coordinate system, but it's a pain. It is such a pain. Well, not to to mention, sometimes you just don't know what you don't know and the risk that you expose yourself to uh, when when this is maybe your first time or you've only done this a half a dozen times, uh, you register it wrong or something's uh, incorrect. You're fabricating parts, pieces, materials off of that uh, that data. And that could make a huge impact, costly impact uh, in the field as well. So, yeah, it's important to know and understand really uh, the challenges that that are associated with it. I think paying somebody to do your scanning for you, especially if you're new to scanning, right? And just assigning a liability, like (laughs) it's your responsibility if the measurements don't are wrong pace for itself (laughs) like like in peace of mind alone like that that's that's got to be worthwhile 
But I think I have to throw a wrench in that now just because of the new technology that's coming out, Joe. You know, um, I've been fortunate, to ha- fortunate enough to have some good conversations lately with, you know, some different people utilizing different forms of the mobile, you know, scanners from the like the iPhone 12 lately. Right. And seeing the capabilities of combining something like, um, you know, your your unstructured scan that anyone can use, anyone with a cell phone can go out and very easily make a scan, right? But again, there has to be a knowledge of how to aggregate that data. So that is, you know, that's, we're, we're, we're actually, in all, in all honesty, I found a couple programs that do actually make that very easy to bring that mobile unstructured it, data together. But, but so there's a point to that though, right? So you're saying technology is getting easier and, and I would agree with that. But what I was saying is that the, li- the liability aspect um, would be mm-hmm. be holding would, would fall on somebody else's shoulder by paying somebody else to do it and you know if your yeah. verbiage says so all that sort of stuff and that is the peace of mind technology is getting easier I would not I'll tell you that I would not prefab based off of an iPhone 12 scan oh no <laughs> no no I would not I, I will pay Ron's team to come in <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no yeah you know where I see. I see the benefit of because we're, we're getting into that conversation about, you know, existing details and and being able to hand over an as built drawing or as built document, even, you know, starting with it. But being able to hand that over to the owner in a way that they can utilize is, is very, very important. And the point I wanted to kind of segue into a little bit is, you know, finding a way to aggregate the data and making it easier for, you know, all users. But. How I think um, how I think we can benefit from it is let's say that uh, the the well, pipe well, team let's stop you right there real quick, Ron. Okay. How do you how are you guys utilizing sharing data to your owners and your different stakeholders? Like, what is that method for you guys? Like, what do you guys foresee as being the most easy, most beneficial, and you don't have to name brands or anything like that. Just, just curious if it's the cloud, if it's you know you're handing them a thumb drive. Like, how are you getting people to view the data that you provide in a meaningful manner? Uh, so, in short, right to answer the question outright, would be through via cloud, right? There, there are some methods that we would uh, exchange through a thumb drive or a hard drive or something like that. However, the technology is advanced enough now. Uh, that you can uh, exchange that stuff through the cloud, but not to discount the amount of time that goes into that, right? This is not a something that's uh, you, you post in two minutes later, it's done. There's a lot of time spent by the team posting that, monitoring the status as it gets posted because you may miss some data. Um, on the, the second half of that though, is making sure and understanding what your client needs and, and how they're gonna get value from it. Because a lot of times we can, sure, we can go out and do a scan and then just give them the scan or even register it and give them the scan. Not all owners know and understand that that side of the technology, nor do they know how to use it. So knowing and understanding that up front is something that uh, that our team has gotten really good at, is identifying what are you going to use it for, what's the end goal here, uh, and then providing that to the, the owner in a format that they can digest it and they can actually use it. Um, scans are you know something that i would say is is something that you want to keep on on file for historical sake uh but 
the end game may be a model and our team does that too right they'll take the scan and they'll they'll make a, a 3d model out of it and we could take it as far as identifying the assets within that model is that chill water supply is it return is it uh, is this conduit versus pipe uh, we can we can take it that far as well uh, but i so, think knowing that what what the end goal is is very important yeah and that, that seems to be a common theme when we chat with companies that provide scanning services is is literally you you can't just say here's your scan data you have to be like you know hey is it for verification is it to create that model is it is it to clear up a messy situation is it for an as-built like just for record sake like what is the intent here uh is it for floor flatness is you know we've chatted about this before episode but knowing that ahead of time obviously you know helps you once sell your job and also you know win that repeat business because you're meeting their needs you're you're anticipating their needs rather uh, and exceeding expectations um, and giving them something that they can actually work with and view now thanks to technology uh, with the cloud and viewing and all that sort of stuff. But uh, getting back to your VDC uh, side of things here, are you guys actually creating the models like as part of your VDC team or do you guys just more more so manage coordination? I'm a little curious on the services you guys are offering. Yeah, so we do a little bit of everything. Uh, uh, we do help facilitate what we call lead coordination or BIM management, and that would be us acting in a, a facilitator position. We bring all the trade contractors together for GC uh, and make sure that everything's coordinated. We track and coordinate all the issues. Um, there's that part of our services. We also offer um, you know, a, a complete build, so we get a brand new design and we will take the the architect and engineers drawings that are designed by nature uh, as a you know i can understand that some people uh don't quite understand that that whole philosophy but they are designed by nature right they're not all coordinated so we'll take those drawings they have all the sizing uh and and everything that we need and we'll create a 3d model out of that and make sure that it's completely coordinated to minimize any kind of um wasted time in the field uh, well this is a this is a conversation for you and i to have uh later on but i just wanted to add a note here we've got to chat about edgewise at some point you and i like we, we've got to talk about uh this for your modeling team uh, yeah absolutely uh we we've demoed it but probably yeah best for another conversation and and actually i'm not even sure that i'm the the ideal person to talk to about it my my counterpart uh on the other side of the division he he's dived into this pretty extensively and, and has pros and cons to both sides. So it'd be great to get you teamed up with him oh, yeah. on that Dave, conversation. Dave geeks out like Dave is uh, uh, like he loves Edgewise. He's like the one of the biggest Edgewise evangelists. And he's got me singing its praises like and again, conversations for another time. But mm -hmm. just looking at what algorithms can depict inside of uh, points like out in space, it just it blows my mind. And I guess, you know, there's obviously going to be a lot of work that happens um, and a lot of fine tuning and all that sort of stuff, but I'm excited. I think this is pretty cool. And Dave and I have uh, seen uh, things replicated with like Dynamo and like where people are just picking apart point clouds and re like realizing shapes. It's just so cool. It's exciting, man. It really is. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so exciting that, that I feel that that's what continues to drive me in the industry um, it's not one of those jobs where I come in every morning and I've got it all figured out. I'm sure that you guys face the same problems as 
the most of the day, most of the week, I wake up thinking I've got a bunch of problems and I don't know how to solve those problems, but we end up figuring it out, right? But that's the innovators of the industry. Um, it, it's very challenging. And, and that goes out to those that, that want to jump into the industry and just say they, they've got it all figured out, right? There, there's a lot of challenges behind it. And I have a lot of respect for, for people that will come out and share those challenges and say, hey, here's how we've had problems and how do we further further the industry and how do we grow in the industry. Um, but it, it's so exciting where the industry is going and all the technology. You were mentioning Dynamo and you were mentioning uh, all these other products that it's amazing where they were two years ago versus where they are today and the evolution that we're seeing and how quickly that is growing. Yeah, I think the innovation and the the, I won't say innovation, the gumption, rather, the gumption that people are putting on themselves to solve complex problems that have been plaguing us for so long. Just and I will say, you know, I will credit COVID with a, with a, a fair portion of this. Um, it's put it's backed a lot of people into a corner where we've we've got to uh, innovate uh, and solve problems in a shorter time span with limited resources. And the only way to do that is uh, writing your own dynamo script or picking up a tool and figuring out how to, how to use it or having that hard conversation with somebody to say, look, I screwed up and I, I don't know how to solve this problem. Do you have an idea? And it's, it really boils down to that information sharing. I feel like we're starting to see a lot more to that. We've seen so many, I will call them influencers or BIMfluencers, right. That have come out in the past year and a half to, uh, really stand up and share their their stories, their pain points, their all that sort of stuff. I'm starting to see like, you know, like five years ago, I would have gotten to a conference. There's a round table and they're talking about problems and they're all just fake problems, just propping up a software that's coming out and they want to promote that on behalf of the their vendor or whatever. Right. And now we're getting to the point where it's like, you know what? I actually solved this problem. There's six different people on this panel. And here's how we solved it. And it's it's not a fluff point. It's a look, these are solutions and they're different and we solved them in different ways. But we're being honest because this is a real problem that you guys are going to face. And I know people are facing and I just want to share it. And it's so exciting to be part of this right now. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. You look back 10 years ago, the conversations that the BIM influencers, right, they weren't they weren't on the market. Um, they were we were all just experience, uh, experiencing the technology as it, as it was growing and uh, I doubt that any of us really foreseen it, it growing to this capacity in the short amount of time that it has but it was hard it was hard to have dialogue with others because it was brand new so everybody was figuring out the technology was trying to keep up the hardware was trying to keep up um, now we're starting to see more and more influencers and people that that are willing to, to come out and share those problems so kudos to you guys for for having the podcast in general right because i think that that allows us to be able to to engage in a deeper capacity as bim influencers and and figure out each other's problems right because that's what we're all about is let's solve problems as a team versus um you know being siloed within a company we we launched the podcast honestly at the most appropriate time. We didn't know COVID was going to happen in three months. We just were like, I think we were at AU or something, and we were like, all right, it's time time for an ep time for us to record some stuff and throw it up on a website and see if anybody listens. And then COVID happened, and you know, next thing we know, we're thousands of listeners in, and um, it's been an an amazing experience. Not only to hear that people like our podcast, but 
just to p- hear people ex- um, uh, detail their issues and see if there is a solution for them. And they like our, our emails blow up nonstop and so much so that we don't have a lot of time. So I apologize that we don't have a lot of time to respond and it takes us weeks to get back. But um, it, it's exciting. Like, look, everybody has these issues and everybody's looking for a solution. And and uh, Dave and I are behind the scenes are just trying to connect people with those and, and make that sort of happen. But uh, there's been a lot of podcasts launched since, you know, since COVID and a lot of these uh, this influencer movement starting to happen. There's a lot of bright minds, much brighter than Dave and I. I, I joke Dave and I are BIM apes. Um, you know, we we like to have the conversation. We'll facil- facilitate it. We know enough to be dangerous. I mean, David knows way more than I do, obviously. But, uh, you know, there are people like uh, three episodes ago, two episodes ago, we had a gentleman from Alice Technologies who's talking about generative construction, not generative design, but plugging all of your variables through construction process into ridiculous algorithm that is ever changing that is going to tell you how to optimize construction. Like that is beyond our brains. Like we, we can't comprehend that sort of stuff. That's amazing. So we just want to facilitate these conversations and let people know what's out there, let what other people are doing and then just try to connect people as best as we can. That's it. Dave and I, we're just, we're just guys on the back, on the back end doing our own thing, pressing buttons like monkeys. (laughs) <laughs> just dudes looking like other dudes uh what is it playing <laughs> oh <laughs> what is that from man <laughs> tropic thunder <laughs> i'm just a dude was, playing a dude <laughs> looking like another dude oh man no you know it, it's i think i think it, you guys are completely right the the jump that we're seeing with technology has been awesome and i think there's also been a lot of recognition of the value of technology not with just you know, designers, not with just VDC, but also with owners themselves, they're starting to see the value um, that having this amount of data can provide for them, whether it's pushing it into an FM system or it's having just an updated set of drawings or an updated model that you can refer to. Now, I do want to kind of put a star next to that one updated, right? Um, Just because I want to, I don't know, I I like having this kind of conversation as well. And I kind of want to see what you think, Ron, but for an as-built for me, the fact that until a building is completely demolished, I, I don't think that um, we should call it an as-built. It's an in-progress, right? In my mind, at least. In, in terms of, yes, an as-built is you know what it is when you step in to do your project, but at the same time, at, or even when you, when you take that project over as an owner, and that's it. That model, that, that building itself is going to change. Right. Over time. Space planning. Yeah, exactly. Space planning. Things are added. Things are changed. And, and, you know, it has to keep adapting. It has to keep evolving, whether it's a scan or BIM model. Well, then we we, we should just call a scan at that point. I mean, it is an as built. It's an as or existing conditions, I guess, is what Ron mentioned earlier. Yeah. And that 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 is the best terminology, I think. Yeah, I just think. I think, you know, as soon as the scan is done and anything else that is put in after that, that scan becomes kind of moot at that point, right? It's Unless, a snapshot in time. It's a PDF. Exactly. Build. Exactly. That's it. So, you know, I've been talking to people lately about how to really supplement these as-built and, and, you know, being able to hand over something, even with new construction, obviously it's a little bit easier because you can actually go out, scan or take pictures, what have you, 
of these different systems that are being put in as they're going in. If let's say there's pipes or ducting running through walls, what have you, before that JIP board actually goes on, they can actually go in and scan it or take pictures and be able to aggregate all of this information. You know, yes, you have your full BIM model and well, sometimes, but most of the time we have a good BIM model, right? And you can actually aggregate that with a, a living, let's say, or a digital twin, right? Of that scan data actually making it a twin to where it evolves and it changes as that building kind of grows. Well, that that opens up a great question for Ron here. Ron, are you guys working a lot with owners, uh, you know, as opposed to GCs uh, now for the scan services and or maybe, maybe not scan services, but on the, the your BIM VDC side, providing a living model like, uh, you know, changes happen. You guys provide updates and revisions and because, uh, you know, just anecdotally here i know of a large tech company one of the the largest in the in the in the world that um they have a company on the side that literally just provides updated documentation and models for their for their buildings that's all their job is is literally just providing updates from the construction team and managing the 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 models so that they um are uh, up to date and integrated with their their fm systems and that sort of stuff is that something that you guys are getting into or i'm just curious uh, you know where your scan services and your bim modeling services kind of come into play and who they who they're you know best geared towards yeah there's there's quite a bit uh we do business with everybody which is somewhat of a challenge but it also it's uh, agnostic that's the way to go man yeah, I mean, the great thing about it is that that it forces our team to be extremely diverse in a lot of different areas. You don't you don't think about it as like a mechanical contractor. They put standards, processes, and procedures in place, and they do the same thing day in and day out, right? They're they're a uh, industry line essentially, uh, which is great, and it works really well for them. Unfortunately, my team has to be extremely dynamic because we we work with uh, GCs, we work with owners, with developers, with subcontractors, we work with A&Es, um, you know, and it, it works on all different fronts and it's really the use case scenario. Uh, I'll give you a couple of great examples of some of the latest technologies that we've been implementing here. Uh, and it's it's very fortunate because we are so close as a team, we're starting to understand how do we integrate both uh, the laser scanning and the VDC side, and they're starting to really come together and we're starting to see that technology collide in uh, best use uh, scenarios. And and one of those is we, we do what uh, we're calling a, a tool demo, and it's essentially we go out to a site and we scan the site, but there's a lot of noise and we, we expect that there's going to be some utilities there that are going to be demoed at some point. So we actually bring that back and we're stripping the content out of it based off of the design documents that we're receiving from the A&E early on. We're, we're expecting to demo this line so we can remove that from the scan and we can highlight it and illustrate that in a report back to an owner or back to a, a contractor. At the same time, as we're doing what we call a Z-Verify, uh, and that that is taking, uh, taking a model, we develop a model off of an, an AE uh, drawing and we say yes it fits within the envelope everything's coordinated everything looks good which we we all know that it's not that easy but uh, once it's coordinated what do they start installing in the field does it match to the scan itself that's the aha moment 
of why we're having so many problems in the field. You get all these superintendents calling and saying, I thought the BIM was going to solve the world's problems and all we're having is problems out here in the field. Well, that's because somebody installed something slightly different in the field than what was intended in the coordinated model and it's a domino effect. Somebody installed further to the south than expected and now it's had this trickle effect and now it's moving into some critical areas. So this Z-Verify that, that I'm getting to is that we can take that information now, go out and do a scan and compare that to the model and, and specify a deviation tolerance to say what's deviated. Some of it, no problem, right? Develop a gap analysis to say how far are we off um, and is this going to be a problem later on in the future? What, what is it going to impact? What other systems is it going to impact uh, if we installed that? main trunk of a ductwork too far to the south, what other utilities is that going to impact? But obviously we want to highlight it and we want to say quickly, where do we have these problems? So that's some of the latest and greatest technologies that we're using. But um, another quick story to that is that um, you were asking about who we work for and that there's such a broad variety of that. And I listed a few, but uh, we were fortunate enough to be able to go out and do a scan of the uh, Camelback Mountain there in Arizona. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but it's a hiking spot um, that, that everybody trends to on the weekends and stuff like that. I'm not sure how they get it done in 120 degree weather, but uh, we went out there, we scanned this, and the sole intention was to document the erosion over many, many years, right? So every once in a while, we'll go out there and we'll do that repeat cycle and scan it. And we can now start to identify what's the erosion. And and then you can start identifying a timeline with that erosion where you're going to have to make trail improvements over the next five years, 10 years. So gives you a little flavor. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think that you guys, you know, um, as you were kind of talking about earlier with getting an idea of you know having to work with everyone whether it's owners whether it's gcs what have you um i think that actually gives you a leg up most of the time because in the sense of when you start this project if you know what the owner is typically looking for if you know what things are useful to that person that persona right that it essentially you guys have that uh that experience and that preparation to say okay hey um, we've done this on other projects and, you know, we've had success in this. Let's try this. You know, and we can look at you like a trusted advisor in that sense, right? Because you've actually been through it. But the, the thing is there that I, I find, you know, it, it's kind of hard to get that most of the time from, well, our typical, uh, the typical companies, right? In, in the sense of you have um, your GCs who are typically working with subs if they do work with an owner or if you have design firms that don't really work with different owners or even design build, you know, it, it's kind of hard for someone that's focused, as you were kind of talking about earlier with an MEP contractor to know what everybody else needs and how it can benefit, even benefit them by just changing a certain, you know, adjusting their workflow a certain way to be able to reach the finish line a little bit faster or a little bit better in terms of quality that is delivered within these different models. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that we're challenged with every day to figure out how to reinvent something that's brand new. Uh, we're really good at what we do, but 
every day we solve problems and those problems are, are brought to us by what the industry needs and so it forces us to be on the forefront of the latest and greatest technology and how do we adopt these practices that are very practical they're they're they can apply to a specific project uh, obviously trying to keep up with the trends of the industry some things fail right out of the the bat like the, there's products out there that are very they're very unique and really great technology and could probably geek out over that for quite some time but in some cases does it provide value and uh, that's something that we learn from all the different players that we interact with on a daily basis weekly basis is what's the need in the market and where do we see the trends so we just we get to consume that every day which is the most exciting part about working in a services company like zealous because you you get to ex be experienced and exposed to all that not yeah, definitely. challenges <laughs> definitely definitely well the, the, the challenges are really those are your learning curves right i mean that's what allows you to learn and that's really where you know we're all trying to get to and you know what on that point if i could ron mm -hmm. do you have any like tips or tricks for our listeners if they are you know trying to really figure out the whole scan to bim or are actually coordinating these scans to the bim models do you have any tricks that you've picked up over the years or anything that you've seen that's just really wow that i mean this is great um yeah, a couple probably um, caught me off guard a little bit with her, but uh, overall. Yeah, curveball, right? Yeah, curve yeah, curveball. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'll be quick on my feet here. Um, overall, I think that the biggest thing that that I find of value is asking a lot of questions. Uh, it's It's very subtle. A lot of people miss this by just asking one question and they think they've got it figured out but the more you ask questions the more you find out the more you understand what's the model being used for and you can target the value uh to what's really needed versus you could spend a whole lot of time in other uh, in other areas and really never get the value or never be able to provide the value that somebody's really looking for so ask a lot of questions uh, from a lead coordination position, like uh, if you're you're in there, if you're coordinating a model, um, look into some of these third-party applications. I won't necessarily mention any names or any products uh, specifically, but um, I believe that there's a lot of technology out there now to be able to track, monitor, and report out on trends. Uh, how are we doing? How many clashes do we have? What areas do we need to focus on? How does that uh, how does that fit within the uh, the the overall pour schedule of the site? That's all important, so you can target where you're working and when you're working, and prioritize your team. Because I, I get on so many of these coordination meetings, and they're unorganized, and all of a sudden one week turns into a month and a half, and everybody's feeling the pain uh, from the owner all the way down. And I think it's extremely important to have a tool that can help guide and steer the team. And the tool is so simple that there's the products that really support it out there today. But from a GC seat, make sure that you have a tool outside of just something like Navisworks, right? You have to have tools that can report yes. uh, report out on stuff and identify those trends, focus your area in those trends. I agree, man. Don't be afraid to lean into technology. That is a huge, huge piece. Don't be afraid to lean into it. It's there. 
you know, if you have some failures, don't just, you know, stay down. Don't be, oh, that didn't work for us. We don't want to do it. Feel like, look around, be free, mm-hmm. like, feel free to test as much as you can find what works for you. Right. There's, there's no one BIM solution that works for every single person out there. I wish that, you know, Revit was everything to everybody, but it's not, you know, not yet, but it, I mean, it's just, it, it's not. And, 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 and all in the reality of all, of all of it, it's not going to be, it's not going to be the end all be all right. We don't really have that. So what we need to look at is of course, check everything out and then figure out what it works with, what it communicates with, what file formats that you can kick out, you know, is it PDF? Is it Word? Is it CSV? You know, is it DWG? Is it IFC? What is it that you can be able to really, you know, be a, be a helpful piece within the whole coordination puzzle? I think that's, that, that's huge. I, I would agree with that. And questions, of course, ask as many questions as you can. I feel like the sooner that you ask those questions, the better. And of course, as you go, as you get more experience, you start learning what questions to ask, right? That's a, that's a hard one at first to know what to ask. But in the, in the sense of, you know, when you're getting started in, in this, there are no stupid questions, right? Ask them, ask away to see what information is viable, how they want to use it, what they want to do. You know, don't just think about the end goal as the project as, you know, this is our hand, and, you know, our handover date, we're done. No roadmap with them, figure out what their goals are, what their dreams would be, right? I mean, figure out where this this owner or this GC, where they want to go with this project and then beyond, right? I mean, that's really where we all want to go. We're all looking, we're all looking towards the future. You got to look past the finish line. Absolutely. Yeah, we're all in this together. And the more that, uh, that we work with each other, I think the better off we're going to be. And I completely agree. Ron, Thank you so much for your time. I mean, I, I feel like this was a very beneficial podcast. Um, as always, I love talking and geeking out about about BIM processes and how we can, you know, improve what we do and what services are out there. Who's doing what, right? I mean, like you said earlier, you don't know what you don't know. And if you're struggling in this area, if you're looking for help, man, we are glad to be able to help, right? And And the Zealous team over here, has a great workflow for, you know, getting the as-built existing conditions, creating that VDC, BIM VDC coordination. And of course, Joey and I are huge proponents for scanning and really utilizing that data downstream, not just stopping we, it with a picture, right? Verifying. It's just like playing with big, expensive equipment. I think that's all that is. It's like, <laughs> hey, this costs $40,000. Cool. I want to play with this, man. We like shiny things. We yeah. <laughs> like shiny tools. Just don't drop it. Uh. <laughs> uh, I worked in survey for a bit. I've dropped a few uh, a few things that I probably shouldn't have. Yeah, don't drop a Skinner, guys. Uh, you will not be employed much longer. No, I'm just kidding. Um, wait, no, I'm just kidding. I never dropped a Skinner. But but uh, like I mean, it's it's an exciting piece of technology. Something that captures a million points per second. Um, you know, it takes, you know, 15 minutes and you've got this amazingly dense, um, uh, point cloud and that you can just measure from it. That's just a cool piece of technology. Um, but your whole thing, Dave, where you were like, now, if you don't know, um, now, you know, that whole thing, man, just popped a notorious, it's like, as soon as you said it, that's what happened, man. 
That's awesome. I think we're kidding ourselves. People on there are like, who, what, huh? I don't know this thing. And now they're going to go to YouTube and find it and all that fun stuff. And they're like, oh, these people are old. Oh, I was going to say nobody puts baby in a corner earlier when you were talking about how, uh, you know, the industry is putting people in a corner. I I decided to hold on to that one for a little bit. (laughs) I was like, I'm just going to hold on to that. Dirty dancing or something, man. That's that's pretty old. Yeah. Patrick's, they're going to Google who's Patrick Swayze and all that sort of No, no, I mean, this is, uh, Ron, this has been great. And I feel like this is, again, like, this is one of those conversations that we need to have from time to time to figure out what technology has been advancing, what you guys have found that's worked for you guys as far as technology and processes, and maybe just some cool things to push the industry forward. Um, Dave and I, we, I mean, we, I don't know how many guests we've had, uh, on the, on this episode, on this podcast, not this episode, uh, on this podcast. Um, but you know, there's, there are a few that were just like, you know, we've got to, we've got to have a follow-up. We've got to know more later on. We've got, we got to hear the story three years from now. We got to hear the story six months from now. We got to know, you know, uh, post COVID what's going on. We, we want to know, uh, because Dave and I are BIM apes. We've got to hear from experts like yourself, uh, what what technology is being driven out there? What are the the wins? What is the the problems that are being solved? I mean, these are the the use cases and stories that we really want to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all for it. I, I I believe that um, it's amazing what you can learn, right? Uh, looking back uh, on what what you've overcome in the in the past and where we're at today. So the follow ups, I would agree, but absolutely part of the the journey ahead of us. All right, great. And we'll schedule it after 5 p.m. Denver time. So that way, <laughs> I'll tell you what, guys, I'm three beers deep in this 9% alcohol. And uh, I'm uh, I'm following along and I'm like, these guys are doing pretty good without me. <laughs> All right. I'll be catching up. I'll be catching up. Don't you worry. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, gentlemen, I'm going to go on vacation and uh, be gone for a week. And uh this has been a great episode, Ron. I look forward to having you on and discussing this uh, in the future and finding out more about Team Zealous here. Um, Dave, um, as always, my friend, man, stay thirsty or whatever we oh, say. Yeah. That's and happy else. Father's Day to everybody out there. Oh, oh yeah. Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Yeah, happy Father's Day.